episode 25. Welcome back, gang, or should I say, guidees. Now, you may recall a few episodes ago, we had, and I say we because I always feel like you're there responding along with me, we had a discussion about what I should call my audience, as a lot of other podcasters give their audience a collective name. So I was trying to find one, and I suggested calling you guiders. But then, um, and a fellow podcaster, Major from Straight Up Gay Podcast, who you've also, if you've been listening to all the others, can go back and listen to again if you haven't, um, <laughs> suggested that you would be guidees, because the guiders do the guiding, and the guidees are guided. Therefore, I'm guiding you. Which, I don't know, I'm not sure if that works or not, but anyway, throw your thoughts in my direction. I'm just going to call you gang for now. Anyway, thank you for coming back and joining me again. I know uh, I did have a week off. Um, life took over and I got very busy and it wasn't all uh, tragedy and pain. It was uh, actually just uh, running around all over the country, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Anyway, please, please, please keep subscribing and reviewing. Now, this week, I have the pleasure to introduce you to the extremely talented Dan Dore. Now, Dan has been travelling the world with his show on one condition. They've been to New York, they've been to Adelaide Festival, and they are currently in Edinburgh at zoo venues. Now, Dan will give you all the details about that shortly. Now, um, Dan describes himself as a dance maker and an artist. He's also a very charming and very funny chap. Um, Dan has cerebral, cerebral palsy, and his show really... Well, I suppose it discusses how the world views and reacts to his ability rather than necessarily um, his own take. And we'll discuss that in the interview. Um, so I can't wait for you all to meet him. Um, also, if you are going to the see the show, uh, again, we'll give all the ticket details. I'll get Dan to give you all the details and I'll put links at the end. Now, just a brief summary of where I have been this week and why we did miss out on a podcast. I've been busy with, uh, I uh, helped a friend, uh, did a short film with a friend. Um, but uh, between that, I also uh, went to Margate Pride with Keith. We went down and stayed with our friends Peter and Paul. And it was such a positive experience. I cannot begin to tell you. It was just wonderful. The, the march was great. We did the, the march and the, the weather was perfect beautiful day um and it was just a really friendly vibe a very positive vibe um and uh, as we kind of got into margate town center the the response to people marching through was so positive and so it was just it was just such a nice day using that word nice again but i like to use it um such a positive day and afterwards there was a big party at the um theme park dreamland which has recently been refurbished again and reopened um and there was some live music and there were djs and it was uh, uh, it was just generally a, a brilliant experience there were a few problems with ticketing um but that's kind of my only bugbear with the whole day um but i can recommend it if anybody's looking for seaside prides to go to that possibly alternative to brighton go to margate next year you won't regret it had a great time um and hello to all listeners in Margate. Um, then this week, we've been up to see my oldest friend. And I say oldest, I don't mean because in years, but friend I've been closest to for a long time um, is uh, my friend Guy and his girlfriend Sally. 
and my godchildren. And we stayed up in a town called Beverly, which is near Hull. Beverly, which I always find is a, is, a, is a fun name for a town because I always think of Beverly and Abigail's party. But Beverly is right near Hull, um, but it's a very pretty market town. And there's lots of beautiful countryside around it. And we stayed in a, a beautiful, it was an Airbnb, but it was an apartment to ourselves, a Georgian townhouse just on the edge of the town. And it was just perfect and was just what was needed um, for a, a brief escape. Um, and we went out into the country and went on a gorgeous walk. Um, we, as <laughs> I say, lots of fresh air and lots of um, lots of country smells. Um, we did encounter some rabid dogs. And we got followed at one point by two very spooky horses that were hiding in the trees in this woodland. And they kind of just slowly followed us down this path kept their distance but it was just enough to feel a little bit ominous um they didn't bite um and then lots of stinging nettles but however we loved it and had a brilliant time there's lots of pictures on instagram and facebook of our experiences and country pubs and it was all really positive again the only negative was trains trains in the uk on the whole we shouldn't complain because we have a better service than a lot of countries but still, we did get stuck for an hour and a half in the middle of nowhere on a platform. Um, and it was very grey and miserable. Um, but anyway, again, if that's the least of our bugbears, then who cares? And then finally, before we meet Dan, this week's recommendation is an album by an artist called Moon Boots. And it's his first album, and it's called First Landing. Moon Boots, First Landing. Um he is actually touring the US till October. So if you are in the US and you do listen to the album and you fall in love with it, then go and see. Because I think I would if I was in your shoes. Um, he basically started out as a DJ in Chicago and he was influenced by people like Hobie Hancock and Daft Punk and that kind of world. Um, and I suppose now he describes himself as his music as uh, French house, uh, R&B, jazz and soul funk. Um, and all the tracks are, it's just, it, it's not, it, I'd say it's probably summer into autumn music. That's how I always describe music as seasons. Um, just bringing up something here. He's just moved back to Brooklyn. That's where he comes from originally is Brooklyn. Um, that This album um, is an album where cavernous club music meshes with classical melodies, warm harmonies and bright beloved mel mel melodic that's the word, melodic, soundscapes riddled with soul. And I'd say that's the best way to describe it. Highly, highly recommend. There's another one that I've been playing uh, to death on my travels around the UK. So, um, yeah, go and jump into that one. There will be next episode, probably at the beginning, I will be releasing uh, the dates that I will be playing around the UK in the show that I'm doing, which is called Get Therapy. Um, and I will give you all the deets on that next week. Anyway, I think now it's time to meet Dandor. So, Dandor, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Matt. So, on one condition at the Edinburgh Festival, um, first and foremost, and you're going to get two or three times to plug it, but can you just give us the name of the venue, the time and uh, where people can buy tickets. 
So it's on, it's, uh, on one condition, which is at Zoo Southside. I'm on Nicholson Street, and it's until uh, the 28th of August um, at 11.15 a.m. each day. And it runs for about an hour, so audiences will be done by 12.20, I okay. would say. Um, and tickets can be um, bought either at the venue at Zoo Southside or at uh, Fringe Ticks yeah. in the and, usual way. And people in Edinburgh who are listening, because I know there are a few, they can go and get them at the Fringe office as well. Absolutely. Definitely. So, um, Dan, I saw the show at Sadler's Wells and uh, I thought it was very moving and really inspiring and... Um, yeah, good work. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so to, to sort of jump in uh, with, could you give us a sort of a sound bite, uh, a brief description of the piece, just as though, uh, you know, um, something that your producer extraordinaire may have given you, or your own version of what the show is? Sure. So uh, the piece um, uh, is about, it's my story, um, so I'm spreading anecdotes from my childhood, growing up in a small regional town, how that was for me as a disabled man first, and then how that's impacted when I discover that I'm a gay man as well, mm. and, um, what, and what that is, and it charts the journey um, through that and then over to my career over here in um, the UK. Sure, sure. And sure. it really starts to, through this, um, we really aim to challenge an audience's perception of what is normal mm. and in a way holding a mirror up to them so that they can start to think about their own relationship to difference and to the other yeah definitely i that's that that's something that stuck with me from uh from the saddler's wells performance was uh, the 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 way that you you're talking about the mirror and kind of turning it around on the audience and i felt that very much and but it makes such a strong connection um and i think especially where you are right now in the festival there's probably a lack of of shows that do that not that um, the comedy and everything isn't great and as you say you saw Courtney act and that's all well and good And but I think it's uh, something where in the midst of all the, of all the craziness that shows that make people think about you but also about themselves that's, uh, that's always going to be a, a, a tick box in my list during the festival so uh, anyway again exactly and as you know as you know plays with the sense of time and really encouraging the audience to let go yeah. and to be on yeah. my sense of time mm -hmm. and what that is and what that means threaded all the way through the work as well. So it does, in a way, force a, a I guess you could say, frantic fringe audience into a zone that is very much the complete opposite of what they've just perhaps come from. Absolutely. 
absolutely um within that again um the, the thing that i loved about it was the was the humor and the the, the humor that it, we learned we, we know who you are <laughs> um and it's uh it's it's very it's it's just very real um and i think uh the moments that, i mean without giving any spoilers but there's a moment where you talk about dancing with your mum and that resonates yeah. <laughs> that resonates mm. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but yeah um, so yeah so jumping back let's go back in time um, to uh, well first of all where you were born in Australia hello hello uh, yes um, hello can you hear me I, I can now sorry you, you um, Skype uh, lost you there for <laughs> Skype the joys of Skype <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so I was saying, um, if you could just take us back to um, when you were, uh, where you were born and kind of the early days in Australia. Sure, so I was born in um, a small country town. Um, it had about 20,000 inhabitants. Mm -hmm. um, when I was living there, when I was growing up, it's a place called Wala, um, and it's a um, steelworks town. Okay. Um, and um, uh, it's kind of, and um, yeah, and I lived there until I was eighteen. Oh right. So I okay. spent my whole childhood and high school years in Wella. Um, and that's South and Australia. That, in South Australia, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Geographically. It's uh, five hours northwest of Adelaide. Okay. Um, in a car, kind of up the coast and then down the other side. <laughs> um, yeah. So did you? Uh, I mean, how did you find the town? I mean, did you? I mean, right from the word go. I mean, were you? Were you happy? Did you have a happy childhood there? Um, what was it? A place that you kind of have fond memories now when you look back or or, or, or not so much? Yeah, yeah, I, I I would say I would say a bit of both. Mm. I um acknowledge that it was a great place to grow up in. It was safe, it was supportive, um everyone more or less knew each other. Mm. Um so very well connected community. Um but the older I got, the harder it became because I increasingly became aware of the geographical isolation um, of Wyala. Mm. Um, and um, also as I discovered more about myself, the almost social... Um, um, isolation kind of factored into that yeah. white heavily. I mean, I had a, an amazing group of friends, um, but but still, even even so, I mean, you can be in a crowd of people and feel lonely and isolated. Yeah. Um, so it was just this sense of just feeling so far away from everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so as a, I mean, for, as a, as a young gay boy, 
and uh, as a boy with disabilities how did that fit, fit, play into the kind of the sensibilities of the people in the town I mean I suppose it must have especially I mean as you say if it's kind of it's geographically it's it's separate from you know however many hours from even from Adelaide that uh, certainly with the sexuality that's uh, I would imagine that comes into play that you know that's a uh, people have ideals and some of them aren't probably in a line with with what you were trying to discover and representing absolutely i mean i just found found myself kind of asking myself well where do i fit in what what i'm 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 not that person who's able to play football nor do I want to play football and mm. do I, and to be a man do I need to behave in that way do I need a girlfriend to yeah. be a man and, and what is that and so all of these questions arise kind of as kind of obviously from what I'm seeing in the town because mm. I look. I look at adult, adult men in the town, yeah. and just go, well, I don't want that kind of life, but how can I get anything else but that kind of life? Yeah, if I'm yeah. here, so it was a very, very weird place and time for me in trying to work out who I was in the context of a very um, heteronormative um, society and how how do, where's my place within that or how do I leave that Mm -hmm. place? Mm -hmm. So in regards to that, what age did you sort of have a... You know, when you when you when you became woke to your to your sexuality, do you do you have a point in time, a situation, something that you remember, um, or was it sort of just a slow, gradual, slow burning? Yeah, candle? I I think it was a slow burning candle, mm. but kind of the moment for me, like I, I was never ever interested in football. Yeah. But when I reached the age of about 15, 16, I started going to uh, the football matches with my girlfriends um, mm. because there was this um, boy I quite fancied and I used to go and watch him play football. And then my mum was like, hang on, you hate football. <laughs> I I like football now, Mum. I'm just going to hang out with my friends because it's nice to spend time with them. (laughs) I just sit on the sidelines and stare at him. And, you know, maybe being a bit creepy at the time, I don't know. At that time, I didn't care. Yeah. Because I was just like going, okay. I actually like boys. Yeah. And I think that was that moment of realisation and just going, yes, this is it, here we go. Yeah. So how old, you know? How old roughly, were you? 
I was about 15 or 16. Okay. Um, and I, I knew I was looking at boys in that way when I was about maybe 13 or 14, but, you know, then I didn't quite know what it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. by the time I was 15, 16, I was like, here we go, it's that. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, again, going to just rewind slightly, is uh, for you, so uh, school, um, how, how was school? Did you enjoy school? I did. I enjoyed school very, very, very much. Mm. Um, I, um, because school for me was a chance to, to prove myself. Yeah. To show yeah. people that although I had a disability, I was smart, mm -hmm. you know, and that I could show that although I can't kick a football, I can, you know, write a really great essay. Yeah. And I can, you know, I, I can help, you know, people with their homework or whatever. Okay. And, and it was through, through that that I made friends, you know, mm -hmm. because in the classroom, the school kids could see that I, you know, I did have a brain and just because I was physically disabled didn't mean I was mentally disabled as yeah, well. Yeah. So that really, really then meant that I had friends in the schoolyard therefore because they understood me. Mm -hmm. Those I had trouble with, I had trouble with them because they weren't in my class. Okay. So they didn't they didn't understand what I was capable of. They just saw a funny walking guy coming toward them, uh -huh. and you know they thought they you know they thought they'd have a go, but then my friends would kind of be behind me and give them what for. So okay. It all kind of worked, but um, and what? And I, I would say too that I mean I was I was schooled at a mainstream school, mm -hmm. um, which I'm very thankful for. Yeah. Um, and there was a moment when I was um, applying to go to school in the first instance. Mm. Um, my uh, I remember my grandmother and my mother in the head master's office and um, he um, turned around to them and said oh well there's no point educating Daniel because he's going to be in the institution by the age of 10 really? so there's, really? no, there's no point um, and my grandmother turned around to him and said look this is Daniel is the smartest kid I know yeah you're yeah. going to listen to this school, otherwise I'm going to be telling people about it. Uh. And so he did. He let me in. And um, the icing on the cake for this story is that in year 12, he presented me with um, with the all-rounders award at, at right. the, uh, in A-levels. So <laughs> It was him and my graduation ceremony presenting me with the award. Wow. 
Um, so your and your so your grandmother, you're pretty thankful to her for you know pushing that down the down the line then. Absolutely thankful to her and thankful to my mom. Yeah, you know, two very very strong, dogmatic women. Mm, mm. Um, so, uh, what subjects did you kind of particularly excel at? Were, 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 you know, where, where say in that in, in the kind of in, in the institution of school, what what, what for you were the things that you really that you really enjoyed as much as that you excelled at because you can excel at things and any people can push themselves. But what did you personally kind of where was your heart? at this point at this point my heart was in drama and english okay. and social studies um and i also studied i really enjoyed um japanese okay. i really enjoyed japanese um and japanese i started studying japanese when i was in year eight uh -huh. um and um i tell this story in a one condition yeah. Um, I won a scholarship um, when I was 15 to go over to Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah. I lived there for 12 months. Wow. And and somewhere you feel you could go back to and, and be comfortable, could live in again, perhaps? I'd love to go back to Tokyo. It's just an extraordinary city. And, you know, I, I was 15, but walking the streets by myself because mm. I just felt so comfortable there and it's a it's an amazing place yeah I've never been I never I had somewhere on a list big long list but it's yeah it's, it's kind of high up um so so drama and and uh, and well in English and uh leading the way uh, with Japanese but so at what point did performance start to kind of really resonate with you as a this is something I can do and I really want to do it really started when I went to do weekly workshops with the local youth theatre company called Defaces of Youth mm -hmm. and, um, they ran as I say weekly workshops and uh the director, James Winter, and choreographer, Ingrid Vurent, mm -hmm. um, came to uh, Waiala. They flew in from the city uh, to lead these workshops and uh, direct and choreograph uh, production, full-scale productions. Mm. Um, and the first time I stepped out on that stage, I was I was just like yes, this is what I'm meant to be doing. This is what I want to do, and it was really clear to me at the age of twelve right. um, that that I was going to be a performer. It's really where I felt myself, sure. and I could I could express myself, and it was an outlet, yeah. you know, for all the stuff that was happening and. You know, self discovery, all that stuff. It was an outlet, a way to yeah um, express myself, yeah. Um, and um, that that was it. Really, I was just bitten by the bug, um, and my uh, stepfather at the time he would keep saying, "Oh, but no, I reckon you should be an accountant." <laughs> and, and, 
and um, presenting me with different um, uh, put, um, different leaflets sure. um, every week at one point. I'm like, no, <laughs> I, want, I want to be an actor. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to audition for drama school. Yeah. And I was telling him this at about 14 and 15. Um, so, and I did. So I went and auditioned for drama school and got in. Started straight away. So, so then you, because uh, I did a bit of um, bit of nosing around. Um, yeah. You you uh, you joined a, a company, a, a dance company in Adelaide. Um, yes. Was that kind of straight from 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 the youth theatre sort of program? More or less, because um, within the youth theatre program, I um, co-led a Monday night workshop for people with low support needs. Okay. And through that, that I met a wonderful woman called Sally Chance, hmm. who at that time uh, was the artistic director of Restless Dance Theatre. Hmm. And um, for, a, for quite a while, we were talking about ways we could um, work together and me going to a show in Adelaide with Restless. Okay. And, um, it wasn't until I um, left Viola and moved to Adelaide to go to drama school that I managed to um, join Restless. Okay. And um, I was uh, performing uh, with Restless at the same time as uh, uh, studying uh, drama performance at university. Okay. Because then you, yeah, because I was going to say, then university, you went to. Um... Flinders University, which I think is is like is Adelaide direction as well, isn't it? Yes, it's it's Adelaide. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and you were working towards correct me if I'm wrong, a Bachelor of Creative Arts. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's all. Bachelor of Creative Arts in Drama Performance. So mm -hmm. studying to be an actor, basically. Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's, and and you can probably fill this in because then I've uh, f f from researching you online and from talking to Susan about bits and pieces, then you were in Stoke on Trent in the UK. I'm not quite sure how from Adelaide to Stoke on Trent. There's obviously a <laughs> there's something happened along the way. Yeah, that's quite a big jump, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, just to fill the gaps on that. Yeah. So um, being involved with Restless, I really um realized that um dance was maybe what i wanted to be doing as well yeah um yeah so i um started looking online for different possibilities and opportunities um and sorry just to backtrack there mm -hmm. i did a collaboration with the restless dance theater and Australian Dance Theatre, mm. and um, I was fortunate enough to work with Gary Stewart. Um, and uh, during the development of the work we made with them, mm. um, the penny really dropped in terms of me able, me being able to have a professional career as a dancer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it had never occurred to me, um, uh, I, I guess, because as a disabled, you know, as a disabled artist, I never thought it was possible for right. a disabled person to dance. 
even though I was involved with wrestlers, um, I didn't really realize there was a professional mm. outlet for that. I didn't know it was possible until I was looking online and I saw um, uh, companies like Can Do Co Dance Company. Right, yes. And Stopgap and um, all those companies. And um, then I saw a job being advertised um, by Frontline Dance. Mm hmm. Um, in, and they're based in Stoke-on-Trent. Ah, okay. Um, so um, I worked with Rachel Lyons, the artistic director of the company, for a few months to uh, develop and uh, tour a work with them. Okay. Um, uh, in a very small town hall in uh -huh. Stoke. Yeah, so that, that was my first um, professional dancing job in Stoke. It must have been quite a culture shock for you as well. It it really was. I say it was it was um, a culture shock and just, and just really having to learn on the job and hitting the ground running. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I um I was invited to um uh, join Scottish Dance Theatre. Uh, for a um, project uh, they were mounting where they invited four disabled performers into their uh, company. Mm -hmm. um, so I worked with Adam Benjamin on the development of a new work uh, which toured as part of their uh, spring tour and that was back in um, 2007. Okay. So yeah, ten years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and um, funnily enough, that's where I met Graham Eighty the first time, um, who um, made on one condition with me. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that so a long history there, starting back then. Because you were I, you were involved in a yeah. I, I got. I think associate director of uh, company um, murmuration. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that um, our partnership started three years ago. Um, Sarah Vine Vasalo, um, who um, is an artist based in Sydney, uh, was working at an organisation called Accessible Arts. Mm. Um, and I met with her over Skype while I was um, assistant producing um, for Kanduko. Uh -huh. And um, uh, then uh, Sarah Byrne came over on a Winston Churchill Fellowship. And um, that was when she invited me on board to be her associate director of uh, uh, a new integrated performance company she was starting called Memoration. Okay, okay. Just piecing okay. bits and pieces. Um, so when, well, actually, let's, let's, let's jump to uh, On One Condition. So at what stage did you start development of the current project? I mean, how long ago? I, I, I noted that you were, and you certainly performed it in 2015 in Sweden. Yes, um, so we started uh, developing it together in um, in 
14. Okay. Um, we were offered a 10-day residency um, at Dance and from Sid in Malmö in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd, I'd seen the work that Graham Eddy had made. Um, and I was really taken by his work and his approach to um, making. Um, so I said, um, seriously, but casually, hey, how about you make some of the work on me? Mm. And he turned around and said, all right, then let's do it. Right. Um, so then we talked to people and got some space and... Um, Started doing some initial research as part of a residency, as I said, at Dance and from Sid. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then it went on from there. Then Murmuration decided they wanted to uh, back it. Um, so they came on as a co producer. Mm. Um, and so then we made the work as you see it now. Um, in Sydney in 2015. Okay. Um, and then we took it back to uh, Sweden to premiere it at Skånes Dansteater um, in Malmö um, in September of 2015. Okay. Um, just out of interest, how do you... Do you have a... And I've asked other people who have, who have interviewed who are in performance world what's your criteria when you kind of look for people to work with people that you gel with what's the, what kind of because you're talking about graham and what was the what's the thing that for you is a is a is a trigger that makes you say yeah this this can work this will make sense and, and i would say for me um an attraction to any artists I think about collaborating with um, is the work the work has heart and the work is honest yeah um, and um, the work the work has a reason for being there yeah. if that makes sense completely completely um, so uh, I'm I'm not at all interested in arbitrary in arbitrary dance. I'm not interested in it. It needs to have a meaning for me. Yeah. Uh, and it needs to have a concrete reason for being there. Yeah. And a concrete reason for exploring what's being explored. Completely. That makes absolute sense. Um. Uh, jumping again this time sort of towards uh when you first uh, moving away from dance for a bit and 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 performance but when was the first time that you uh, put yourself into for want of better description a a dedicated gay space into a bar or a, uh, a gay theater venue or something that was specifically for lgbt um people do you have a, a memory of that? Um, I, I not not specifically. There, there's not a defining moment in my life. Mm. Um, but I'm just 
kind of speaking more broadly around my experience of that. Yeah. Um, coming from Wyala, um, and then going into my first gay bar, mm. I, 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 it was like I was entering a world that didn't I didn't know existed. Right. And entering. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I always felt like I was the other, mm-hmm. and then suddenly I was in a room full of people who also felt like the other. Yeah. You know, and and although there was something other other about me clearly mm-hmm. that in, in that gay club bar context me having a disability didn't matter right. all that mattered was that I was a gay gay man or a gay boy at that time <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> yeah. so so that that so my disability was irrelevant sure and because you know, in that moment, we're the same. Yeah. You know, we're the same. We're different, and we're and we're all pe- people who um, have been on the outer. Yeah. And do you um, feel so that? that was, Sorry, carry on. To just say it was very special to kind of have that realization. You go, yes, I'm not the only one who has ever felt like this. Yeah. Do you feel that spirit continues now? I I do, um, but but now now being a gay man and being a disabled man, it feels like the most normal thing in the world. Sure, sure. And it and it doesn't. I mean, I had moments where it feels like the other, but day to day. Uh, it's yeah. I yeah. mean, it it's normal for me. It's part of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, is is there any people? Any? Let's just. I'm going to use the word queer. Any queer people in your past uh, who were in the public eye, who you looked up to as a younger man or as a child? People that you, you uh, who clearly identified um, to the world that they were queer, or or, or people that you. Or, people, or maybe people who who weren't necessarily uh, openly talking about it. I mean, I'm sort of talking about. For me, there was I always re- uh, reference Boy George um, as a teenager, um, and having that, uh, even though he didn't officially yes. say, it's that. Did, did you have Did you have people that you looked up to uh, in in music or theatre or, or any of the arts? Yeah, I, I did. Um, uh, funnily enough, um, my great uncle is gay. Mm. Um, so I always grew up. I always grew up um, knowing what it was. It was never that I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. um, because I had my uncle Bill and uncle Peter. Um, their oh, okay. family. Okay. Um, so I understood that. So in many ways, they were my role models, distant role models, because they um, lived in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but, but I always knew and, you know, mum went a couple of times off to Mardi Gras with them and, All right. you know, so it's happening and mum would come home with the photos and show me and, you know, her standing up on milk crates and <laughs> all of that paper, you know, so, so I knew, so I did grow up with it, yeah. which is why I came out to my mum, it wasn't at all uh, a scary thing yeah. because I knew yeah. that she was going to be okay with it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And when I did have the courage to tell her, she just said, honey, I know, mm. I know. Mm-hmm. You know. So it was that, that moment of just going, oh, you know, if mum accepts me, then it's all going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think yeah. a lot of us feel like that. Yeah. Um, again, um, is uh, I ask all my guests uh, about music because that's sort of at the beginning um, of every episode I talk about. Uh, I've talked a lot about things that have influenced me. Music's always been a major thing, even though I'm in theatre and I'm an actor and I'm a frustrated pop star. Um, but f- for, for what was your the first album that you kind of that sticks with you? beyond uh you know kids uh disney or or whatever um what's the first album that really affected you i suppose the the first or i guess the first song i remember really being affected by Mm. was uh no sacrifice by elton john okay and uh, i was I reckon I would have been about, oh, not sure. I wasn't very, I was about 12 or 13, I think, when mm-hmm. that came out. Okay. I was just like, oh, well, okay. So I went and bought his album and I just listened to it over and over and over again. Right. I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> it's because you use the reason another reason I brought it up was because I know because you use music a lot in and, and references to music in, in the show and uh, uh, clearly it's uh, played a big part in your it plays a big part in your soul <laughs> absolutely and and another one is Cher like I grew up with Cher my mum was obsessed um, so uh, always in a house where Cher was playing, and as well as Joan Armstrong was playing as well. Right. Um, so I kind of had those growing up. Um, yeah. So trips, playing gypsies, house. tramps, and thieves, and love and affection. <laughs> exactly, and the shoop shoop song. And the shoop shoop song. No spoilers, but <laughs> the audience will get to see something relating to that in your show. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so where is where is home to you now? Uh, so home to me now is uh, in the West Midlands in Stourport on Seven. Mm-hmm. And what um, landed you there? Um, uh, uh, what landed me there? Um, uh, a death in the family landed us there. Okay. Um, so uh, we moved up there. Um. Yeah, we we moved up there to uh, to do family stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm actually realised being up there that it's actually not too bad. And want to break the London bubble. 
Oh yeah. It, you oh. know, there, there's life outside of London, <laughs> um, which is, is really um, nice to kind of realise that and to have the courage to leave London mm. and to know there are people and artists and networks I can tap into outside of London mm. and great being an artist in the country because I've got so much more time. Right. I mean, not traveling nearly as much to get from A to B. Mm. People are nicer. People have people time nicer. to you. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, people, yeah, people have time for you and people engage in lovely discussion. Mm. They've got they've got time for you, and that's that's nice because I think being in London, I've really missed that. I would say. How long were you actually? How long were you in London as a base? I was in London for seven and a half years. Okay. Um. So quite a while. Yeah. And um. Yeah. It's it's nice to um to leave and get a bit get a bit uh, of perspective completely I, would say. I, I try and leave as much as possible yeah. for that very reason for, for perspective I think you're I think you're completely right it does give you a and the fact that there is this fear that people have that if they leave the big smoke that that it's going to disconnect them from everything else and clearly it doesn't well, I mean in London there's a fear of going south of the river so to leave <laughs> it'd be terrifying <laughs> Yes. No, it's it's slightly ridiculous. But um, another question um, relating to things that have influenced you. One performance, whether it's a film, a stage, or or a gig, something that 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 really, for you, kind of was uh, again was another um, benchmark in. This is what I want to do. I'm inspired by this moment by watching this person tell me their story in whatever form. Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, I was uh, when, when again when I was quite young. I um. I went to the theatre with my grandma to see uh, Australian Dance Theatre performing one of their works. And um, I would have been probably about uh, 12, 13 maybe. And um, at one point in the show, I remember leaning over to her and saying to her, Hey Nan, I'd love to dance like that one day. And then she leaned over to me and said, Oh, Dan, you'll never be able to dance like that, sweetheart. And then um, I love this story because years later, she sat in the same theater yeah. watching yeah. me perform with that very company. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So it was a, yeah, quite a poignant moment. Absolutely. So, for me, but also for her, just to kind of have that, re- have that, have that memory, and we talked about that time. Yeah. And um, and said, yeah, we were sat just up there, weren't we? And I said, yeah, we were, Nana, we were. <laughs> um, yeah. Brilliant. Um. So 
say that's absolutely the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, yeah. it's 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 well, yeah. I can't think of it. It's pretty moving. Um, I yeah, especially having your family. I think anything that I mean, uh, as a performer, especially if you if you're close to your family members, having that that uh, recognition in 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 any way that actually what you're doing is 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 good is okay is it's it should be it's right is always gonna i mean yeah i think a lot of us feel like a lot of the guests have said the same thing um just to uh well just for 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 a bit of fun now um uh, this is a part of the the well actually every single guest now i think has gone through this it's something that the listeners have started to like and i've nicked it from a TV show called Inside the Actors Studio, and it's um it's kind of relatively quick fire questions, um so that they're just for a bit of fun, um and to give you a breather for a second, but um I'm just going to throw them at you. So favorite word? Uh, man and Pete. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Least favorite word? Twelve. 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 I've got. I've got. I've got to delve deeper. Why twelve? Because the more you, the more you say it, it loses meaning. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm going to do that myself. Um, what? Yeah. So, what excites you? Now, this is interesting. What excites you uh, spiritually slash emotionally? Oh, what exciting! Um, human connection. Yeah, good answer. Um, favorite curse word. Ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> um, what sound do you love? What sound do I love? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the bottle opening. Um, and what sound do you hate? What sound do I hate? Um, people groaning. <laughs> um, now this is this is one that I always find I can't answer myself particularly well. What other profession would you like to attempt if you had to? What other profession would I like to attempt? Yeah. I'd say heart surgery could be quite fun, but I'm not sure how the patient would feel about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, well, so therefore, what would you never like to attempt? What other job is just, it would, for, mentally, just is a block for you? Um, being a barman. Ah, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not an easy ride. Um, so Dan, um, just uh, because again, I've uh, talked to a lot of people about things that have inspired them, and I have, uh, as far as I can tell, I have a, a, a younger listenership uh, joining in, and um, if there was somebody who. Uh, is is just starting out and they are in a very small town wherever in the world and there isn't the ability for them to to kind of um, access mm. theatre and dance uh, close to home 
what would be a piece of advice that you would give to to that to to that boy? Uh, the piece of advice I would I would really say, you know, there there would be at least one other person where you are, where you're living, who has the same interest. Mm. And it's about finding those key people wherever you are, in your town, in your city, in the world, just finding those people that you connect with, you love, that you respect, and together you can make things happen for each other. And I think that's really as simple as that, and that's why human connection is so important because human connection gets us from one place to another. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, very good advice. And human connection is something that, again, is something I, I like to... Uh, I like to talk to all the guests about because I feel sometimes that's one of the reasons this podcast exists is to uh, is to is to be is to be as real as I can within this world with a microphone in front of me and talking to somebody over a Skype. But um, <laughs> so um, just uh, to to surmise everything again, just give us another reminder um, of where people can see on one condition. So on one condition is at Zoo Southside on Nicholson Street and we're on every morning at 11.15am um, until Monday. Uh, so if you're free in the morning and want to come out find out even more about me and my lived experiences, uh, come check it out. Do you have any other uh, venues booked uh, for, for future or is that still kind of up in the air at the moment? It's any still up in the air and just waiting for those cards to fall. Mm. Um, but I, I hope so. I yeah. really hope so. I really want to share this work yeah. with as many people as possible. Um, and therefore, for people to kind of follow how it's going uh, social media wise, where can they find you? Social media um, on Facebook. We have a um, Facebook page, Dandor Creative Projects. And um, on Twitter, um, the Twitter handle is at DandorCP. Um, so you can find us there as well. Wonderful. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say goodbye to Dan shortly in a moment. But for now, if you can all say goodbye to, to Dan in your heads. And Dan, if you can say goodbye to the ladies and gentlemen listening. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Take care. Cheers.